Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're continuing our coverage of Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels with a season finale, Episodes 21 and 22, Twilight of the Apprentice. And these are so good that we're joined not only by Riki and Sarah Hayashi, but also special guest Paul Hoppy. All that more after commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Let me ask this, folks. Would you want to talk about an episode in which the Inquisitors who've been following our our heroes all along, we have a final confrontation against them, and the Inquisitors are defeated? But what about if we got an episode about Ezra actually starting to be tempted by the dark side and starting to think that maybe Kanan isn't teaching him everything he could and that maybe some parts of his potential are not being fully unlocked? Or what if we can have an episode where Darth Maul comes back? Darth Maul, of course, of Phantom Menace and then of Star Wars Clone Wars. And he comes back and he gets into a whole thing with Ezra. And maybe he's going to be a new mentor for Ezra. And he fights with Kanan and Kanan goes blind and we deal with all the consequences of that. Or if we have an episode of Chopper getting to actually pilot a TIE fighter for the first time. Or just for like one more kind of episode, what if we get an episode of Darth Vader getting to have his final confrontation with Ahsoka Tano? What if we had all of those stories in one two-part episode, and somehow it doesn't feel like any of them are rushed, they all get their full full vein? Well, that's what we're talking about. This is why they regard it as one of, if not the best, story arc in Star Wars Rebels, beloved by many. And I'm here with both Rigi and Sarah and Paul. How are we folks doing tonight? How are you feeling about getting to talk about these episodes? Super good. I feel like the chopper piloting the tie doesn't get maybe I, you know, I, was maybe, arc, I was maybe trying to pad the uh, pad the list a little bit but that's fair. I, I just rewatched them just uh, like literally two minutes ago and I just was amazed at how many of the different storylines all come through in this episode yes so I asked people on Twitter what they thought the best season finale of a TV show was because mm-hmm. I think this is among the best of all time and obviously it's not a very watched TV show compared to some of the others, but people brought up the West Wing Season 2, Two Cathedrals. They brought up The Good Place Season 1. I believe it's called Michael's Gambit. So I went back and watched The Good Place, and it's a really good episode. But I feel like it's so highly regarded because it comes at the end of an amazing season. Mm-hmm. And the episode itself maybe doesn't hold up as a single episode of tv this one twilight of the apprentice absolutely does i think the season season two of rebels is great but you can just watch this episode you know if you know all the storylines already and just watch it over and over and it is just amazing yeah if nothing else we're gonna talk about all the different storylines but the seven minutes or so and it amazed me when i realized it's only seven minutes but the confrontation between Vader and Ahsoka, Anakin and Ahsoka, is just, I've probably watched that seven minutes 30 times. Because it is just, it, it, it tells both of their stories so well and it encapsulates so much and has probably some of the most quotable lines ever in Star Wars, in it, at least from my perspective. Paul, uh, you've not been on most of, of Rebels and you, uh, you enjoyed the show. You were the one who got me into Clone Wars. I got you to watch this show. But you mentioned this was one that you definitely wanted to be a part of the conversation for. How do you feel about these episodes? Yeah, I wanted to show up on the Clone Wars at some point, but it just never kind of worked out. And then, you know, then we did some Bad Batch and I really wanted to get to do some some Rebels at some point. And I was just like, 
if there was one Rebels episode that I was going to want to be on <laughs> and talk about, it was going to be these two. I wouldn't say this is necessarily my absolute favorite season ending uh, episode. I The season two of Mandalorian for me is, is way, way, way up there. I've watched it so many times compared to, I don't rewatch the whole show. I just rewatch that. And sometimes I just rewatch the last like 10 minutes. But yeah. here, I completely agree with, with what you're all saying. What you're saying, Riki, about... Yeah, you can just... I mean, I did rewatch all of Rebels-ish over the last few months because Lee finally started watch. She watched all of the Clone Wars and Bad Batch and Rebels in like a three-week period or something. And, <laughs> and I kind of would like come into the room when it was an episode I loved. <laughs> but then just now, I was just like, I will go and watch these two episodes and... They just they work as like a an independent movie basically, and I think yeah. the way they manage to cram so many compelling storylines into such short runtime is by not cutting back to Chopper Base, right? Yeah, that could they could have done that. They could have a lot of these shows like they'll go back, and instead they just have the little lead in with Rex talking to Ahsoka, and then at the end they have you know them returning or some of them returning, and you know, that kind of payoff, but they don't keep going, but they don't have some B plot. That's just like totally irrelevant right here. They have an A and a B plot, but they're both taking place in the Sith temple about what are Ahsoka and Kanan doing. And then what's Ezra doing with Maul who's dropped the Darth and then another Darth shows up. Yeah. I just absolutely love these two episodes. I could watch them over and over and over. I think calling it a movie is perfect. Uh, I will say on, on your poll, Riki, I, I submitted what I, I think is my personal favorite, which is season two, for some reason, always is a great finale. Season two are great seasons of television. West Wing, Rebels, for me, it's season finale of season two of The Wire. Season finales of a lot of The Wire seasons oh, are great, but that yeah. one in particular is just phenomenal. But this one also, it, it just feels like there's so much that's been building. We've been having the Ahsoka Vader story building. We've been having Ezra building. All throughout our discussions, we'll talk about it especially with this episode, I've been so fascinated in what they're doing with Kanan and Ezra, and that they're not traditional Jedi, you know, that Kanan left the Jedi, I mean, he, the, the Jedi left him when he was like seven or eight years old, Ezra's never seen the Jedi outside of Kanan and, and the temples, and letting Ezra wrestle with the dark side a little bit in this, you know, and that, that Maul is presented to him as a mentor figure. And I think eventually we realize Maul is, is definitely trying to pull a trick on him, but I think Maul quite sincerely believes the things he's trying to tell Ezra. You know, that I think he genuinely thinks that he can help Ezra become a stronger Force user. And, and seeing that while Maul is clearly so angry and rejected at feeling anger and rejection from the Sith, it's just, yeah, there's so, so, much, so many levels of complexity there. Uh, let me give a quick episode summary just for people who haven't seen these episodes or haven't seen them in a while. Just kind of know what we're talking about, and then we'll probably go through the, the different kind of plot lines. Ahsoka, Ezra, Kanan, and Chopper arrive on Malachor, a Sith world long forbidden to the Jedi in search of knowledge. Discovering a cavern containing a Sith temple and the site of an ancient battlefield between Sith and Jedi who used cross-guard lightsabers. Which is kind of cool, because that, that's the thing that uh, Kylo Ren uses in the, in the new movies. Yeah, and seeing a green cross-guard lightsaber I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. They soon are attacked by a new Inquisitor, the Eighth Brother, who is hunting a mysterious hermit, calling himself Old Master. When Ezra encounters the hermit, he reveals himself to be Maul, not Darth Maul, as Paul said, and offers to help Ezra get into the temple, aiding him in recovering a Sith holocron. When the other Inquisitors arrive and alert Darth Vader of their presence, 
Ezra convinces the group to work together in spite of Kanan's fears that Maul is corrupting a student, allowing them to finally kill the three Inquisitors. However, Maul soon betrays the group and blinds Kanan with his lightsaber, revealing his true intentions of making Ezra his apprentice. Although sightless, Kanan dons the mask of a fallen Jedi Temple guard and manages to throw Maul from the top of the temple. Ahsoka finally faces Darth Vader, who has cornered Ezra and destroyed his lightsaber, and comes to terms with his identity as Anakin Skywalker as she engages him in a duel, while Kanan and Ezra remove the Sith holocron. Unable to abandon her old master, Ahsoka stays within the crumbling temple and stalls Vader while Ezra, Kanan, and Chopper flee the planet and reunite with the ghost crew. Maul flees Malachor in one of the Inquisitor's ships while Vader, who survived the destruction of the temple, walks away as a, as a convoy watches from above and an unknown figure is briefly seen limping into the shadows. As the ghost crew tries to cope with their losses, Ezra continues to meditate on the Sith holocron and finally succeeds in opening it. So where do we want to start? <laughs> like, there's so much going on here. I want to start with the fact that this episode, the entry into the Sith temple, begins with them falling into it completely mm-hmm. non-lethally, which I feel like is a callback kind of to Maul falling to his not doom. The Emperor has fallen to his not doom. Like, falling is just super non-lethal in <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, if you're a Force user anyway. You know, unless, like, they want it to be. We've continually asked why there's no, like, OSHA in this universe that play- that insists on handrails or, like, railings oh my God. on big pits <laughs> in yeah. workplaces. And maybe that's why. It's ableism. The temple has elevators. It's a pyramid, and it has elevators in the corners with no handrails whatsoever. (laughs) No safety. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like a pyramid, so maybe you could just slide down, kind of? Yeah, just just like the eighth brother did. Yeah, yeah. Just get really bad rock burn (laughs) on your backside. Yeah. I want to talk about Maul, because earlier on, Matthew, you mentioned that he was pulling one over on Ezra, but I believe that Maul is very legitimate in his intentions. Yeah. yeah. And the summary mentions that he wants Ezra to be his apprentice. I think Maul wants that he believes, maybe even more than this temple, which is a weapon, that Ezra will be his weapon for revenge yeah. against Sidious and mm-hmm. Vader. The Empire, yeah. Well, and so let me ask you there, because the, the part of it, I think that's very true. I think he's very legitimate. I think he's generally, he, he's doing a very Sith thing, which is to kind of like use half lies and deceptions to slowly lead someone to the truth. A Jedi would never do something like that. Like they would always just tell the truth, not from a certain point <laughs> of view or anything. From a certain point of view, yeah. <laughs> but early in the episode, Maul acts as though he doesn't know what's going on. And he, he doesn't even remember his own name. And Do you think that, is that level of confusion genuine or is that somewhat to kind of ease Ezra in and make Ezra want to help him. So I think like when Ezra finds him and he's pulling his like Jafar from Aladdin old man act, which I I will make several <laughs> Aladdin parallels throughout the <laughs> go first for it, episode. Go for it. I think he is trying to trick Ezra at that point because he knows he needs a second force user just to get into the temple. I think the moment when Maul decides to like take Ezra on in this apprentice role is when he like they do the force jump to get him to the floaty island and Ezra jumps back. And instead of just plucking the holocron from his hand and not helping Ezra up onto the platform and just letting him fall to his death, he actually fully helps Ezra back up. I think that's the moment that Maul decides, okay, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna take this kid in. I'm not just gonna use him just to get this holocron. That's fair. I think there's some room for interpretations in terms of how Maul acts in the very beginning. 
clearly he has been physically broken several times over the course of his his life mm -hmm. and i think he's also been emotionally broken right he was mm -hmm. abandoned right. by sidious this is post solo the movie so at some point he was in charge of <clears throat> crimson dawn and then kira comes back and presumably will betray him i think is right. what what they are setting up so he isn't he's gone through several betrayals mm -hmm. And so now has, death, has reached yeah. this point. So right. I, I think it could legitimately be that he is very emotionally broken and has forgotten or maybe even has chosen to forget his name until, until it sparks again. He doesn't actually know his for realsies name, right? Like Maul, is Maul his actual name? Riki and I were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And like his brother's name is Savage Oppress. So like I would not be at all surprised if they just named him Maul from the get-go. Is that his Darth name or does he have a name that's not Maul? Do we know it? In the canon, like I think it's never directly addressed, but we do know that generally when someone is Darth something, that is a name that's given to them upon them becoming a Darth. So yeah, so presumably he would have had some other name before being Darth whatever. I'll also say that in the novel Darth Plagueis, which is not canon, but like they keep bringing things from it into canon that I think it's fair to make some connections to it. Basically, like Sidious is on the planet of Dathomir and there's this thing where someone is like trying to like make sure he doesn't wipe everyone out and they give Sidious a baby. And I'm like, here, you, you can raise this baby and, and turn it into your kind of killing machine. And that becomes Maul. Mm. He was raised, like maybe baby Maul knew his name from, he was probably referred to as Maul since he was like, six years old or whatever whatever Dathomiri age you know of a ta of a baby is but yeah but like the night sisters didn't give him or like if they did give him a name he doesn't remember what it is anymore right yeah that's fair. which i think is something i really liked about this episode is you know i i love and i think i've talked with both all of you about this before i love getting to see like force users who are kind of in between you know the the jedi and the sith and and we get a wonderful line from ahsoka about not being a jedi that we'll talk about i actually hadn't even thought of that parallel here but but it's true and so much of this for maul is about him wanting like he wants the power of the dark side but to go kill the sith all of his obsession with jedi is presumably gone like i still think he's you know he wants Obi-Wan as his boyfriend. That's never going to change. That's not his focus right now. His focus is on the Sith. And I just, I, I love that. First, it makes him a very interesting sort of middle ground compelling character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the sort of perspective on how Maul became Darth Maul. And then how he got betrayed by, by Sidious or abandoned. That he's got it out for the Sith so much. Yet he still seems to be following the Sith way of... Yes, partially it's because they're in the temple, right? And you need an right. apprentice and a master. But he seems to, I think, buy into it still, you know, as like a way. Like, this is the way. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to kill you guys. Like, the Mandalorians are always killing each other. But like... Like the, the rule of two, do you mean? Yeah, the rule of two, basically. Where, you know, I mean, they, in order to lift those things and to, to do the certain mm -hmm. things, they, you know, they're supposed to have two. But... Right. But that, you know, I do think he really wants Ezra as his apprentice. And whether that's from the get-go or whether that's later, whether he was deciding whether or not to drop Ezra and just take the holocron or whether he'd already decided that and that's just kind of like the filmmakers letting us kind of hang in the balance for a moment uh, while Ezra hangs. But um, <laughs> it, I, I really enjoy that perspective of like, yeah, Maul was taken at, at some age, like, and had these horrible things, these horrible experiences, and 
you know, and then when all the Inquisitors show up, it, it makes me think like, well, how did they become who they are, you know? And I think right. it's somewhat similar, right? To some oh, extent. Yeah. Vader showing up later, who we already have all of this empathy for, right? And this understanding of how someone can go from, you know, trying to follow the Jedi way to being a Sith and, you know, from the light side to the dark side and all that. Right. So I think all of that just works together really well. I think that's so true. And I should also say for those who haven't watched The Clone Wars, who may be a little confused when we say that Darth Maul was betrayed by Sidious, because in the movies, you know, Sidious sends Darth Maul to fight, but he certainly isn't like expecting to send him to his death. But of course, we see Obi-Wan, as we think, kill him. In The Clone Wars is where Maul sort of like survives through like Sith magic something, gets a first a spider body and then kind of the second uh, half of a mechanical body. And at some point during the show, he goes back to Sidious to be like, hey, I'm back. Let's let's kind of team up. And Sidious is like, absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with you. And so that's we're talking about Sidious betraying Maul. That's what we're referring to. And then kills his brother. Uh, yes. And kills his brother. The, the aforementioned Savage Press. Right. Which he, which he references here. Yeah. Yeah. I also really loved like so Maul is helping Ahsoka and Kanan fight the Inquisitors. And at first they don't really trust him. But he's like, I mean, you know, he's puts his money, he's puts his yeah. lightsaber where his mouth yeah. is. Yeah. But there's a great way of kind of illustrating the difference between his understanding of, of the Force and the others, and, and where Ezra has to face a choice and backs away a bit, where there's one moment where they're fighting the, uh, I'm so bad with these, I think it's the seventh Seven. sister. Mm-hmm. Maul is Force choking her, and she's kind of just floating in air, and he's basically telling Ezra, like, kill her. You know, go ahead and just kill her. And Ezra just, he can't, he can't kill a defenseless person. And, and if you remember, this has constantly been a test of can you be a sith like anakin at the beginning of the third prequel (laughs) yeah like him killing the helpless dooku and so i love that ezra can't do it maul just does it himself and kanan does kanan fights with an inquisitor that in a way that leads to the inquisitor's death but it's very intentional that kanan doesn't kill the inquisitor he kind of causes the inquisitor to fall off a cliff as part Uh, of their fight and and you could say that's just fall off a cliff we gotta talk right, about yeah, this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I was gonna explain what happens with the helicopter okay, thing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he he caused him to fall off a cliff, but the guy immediately then does what we've seen him do a bunch of times. He uses the spinning lightsaber as a helicopter, which okay, I got some the questions. Damaged but, but, lightsaber. Yeah. Right. Moving and moving along, and then quickly it breaks, and he falls to his death. Mm-hmm. Presumed death, right? I don't know. He fell and I didn't see a body and it's Star Wars. So some people have done great analysis that like in early Disney movies up till very recently, they never let the hero actually kill the villain. The villain always charged at the hero. The hero yeah. ducked and they fell off a mm-hmm. cliff or, you know, yeah. whatever it was. And that's exactly what Kanan. And we've seen Kanan kill people before in combat. But here it's like Kanan's like ducks out of the way. The guy plummets off a cliff and then. Using the faulty lightsaber is what kills him. And yeah. it was just a very, I think it was very intentional that like yeah. Maul kills his enemies, even when they're helpless, Kanan doesn't, and they just happen to die in a right. very convenient manner. Yeah, I, I was I was about to say like classic Disney death falling off of a tall thing. Yeah. Right? Or Batman 89. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no guns, doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. attached them to a gargoyle. Not my fault. Totally not yeah. my fault. They yeah. told me they fixed it. Wait, no, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> The helicopter thing makes no sense. Right? Oh. We all agree with this. 
Yeah. Well, they're maybe combining the force with something that makes no sense. <laughs> but then why haven't they I, done I, it before and why I, don't they ever do it again? That's yeah. the, it's like, why doesn't anybody ever use force speed outside this Phantom Menace in one shot? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. what where? Why? Like, no, it's yeah. annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst yeah. part of these episodes. It is. But it's yeah. the yeah. most, it is the most amazing visual. Mm. It looks them, awesome. Like Mary Poppins lightsabering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah, that, that's definitely my biggest complaint. But I wanted I wanted to talk about like Seven Thor Sisters' Poppins. death, where she's mm-hmm. hanging there. Maul gives the classic, finish her. Yeah. I forget which murdery video game. Mortal Kombat? Let's say yes. Street Fighter? Cool, finish good. Him. And finish then like Ezra Kant, and she gets this smirk of like, here's my chance. I'm going to F some right. things up. Yeah. And then Maul chucks his lightsaber at her, and we see her just like, we see her legs kind of fall over. Oh, it's such an effective right. shot. Like, it's pretty yeah. clear her body has been chopped to hell. But oh, like, yeah, yeah. You just see the her lightsaber fall cut up and then her legs. It's mm-hmm. such a good shot. And who, Sorry, could, go on, who could survive <laughs> being bisected? Yeah. Like I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, maybe still. she was decapitated, though, right? Like, we didn't yeah. see. Yeah. They're, they're, like, trying. I feel like with what you were saying, Matthew, they're trying to draw this bright line between the Jedi and the Sith that's maybe not as bright as they're trying to imply it is mm-hmm. yeah. because like the Jedi do kill people right they just right. You, they they're not going to kill a defenseless person they're going to kill someone who's trying to kill them like that's they, they do that they use lightsabers instead of just using like force power to be like I'm going to immobilize you or I'm yeah. going to put you to sleep or I'm going to be like you don't want to kill anybody right now yeah they kill people but here they're like oh we're going to back off of that a little bit you know, and make it in this stark contrast to like the choice of like killing a defenseless person, like all right. the people you mentioned, or Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, right? That's the, you know, strike him down and take your place by my side, blah, blah, mm. blah. Yeah. Yeah. Maul says to Ezra, like after this whole interaction, you gotta, you gotta kill when necessary. Like your enemies, right. if you didn't, she would have killed you or your friends which i think is right. like that, Maul that really was knowing his, how to turn the screws yeah yeah that was his little yeah. manipulation the next level thing mhm especially because in that one regard he's a little bit proven right in oh, that yeah. <laughs> he blinds kanan almost kills him not quite sure how you hit someone in the face with a lightsaber without just chopping the top of your head off but <laughs> right, fair right. enough restraint yeah it's kind of an interesting visual thing maybe you didn't even hit them maybe it's just like he almost hit him and the sparks from it blinded him ahsoka later will like chop off part of vader's helmet without touching his face yeah which, that's, again that's precision. i have questions but <laughs> moving on you're right that solo happens in between these two stories but solo's made later so if you're watching this the last time you've seen well, well actually the order's a little screwed up because the seventh season of clone wars came out later but like mm. Even with the last time you saw Ahsoka and Maul together, Ahsoka whipped his ass in a lightsaber fight. And now it's Maul against it. You know, they had just been like, no, he's bad. We're taking him out now. I think Maul loses that fight pretty clearly against Kanan and Ahsoka. And so the fact that, like, he's able to get them to lower their guard enough that he can attack and blind Kanan and then be able to just focus on Ezra. Yeah, he's kind of right. You got to, you know, and again, I'm not saying that, like, they should have just killed him on sight. But it's interesting how they, they don't just present that as, of course, that's wrong, that's terrible, you should never do that. They show him getting a tactical advantage in the fight because he's willing to, they're not just like, oh, we're going to kill you right now. Yeah, I mean, he, he does present the, like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend mm-hmm. compelling argument, right? Which is true, and they need him to help defeat the Inquisitors because bonus third Inquisitor. 
this whole like underestimating putting your guard down thing is ultimately what gets Maul not really defeated but like chucked off a building which very non-lethal right because Kanan's blinded and is wearing like a temple guard helmet and Maul like when Kanan's all like okay it's you and me Maul seems to stifle a laugh of like okay buddy I'll make this quick Mm -hmm. don't worry and yeah it gets his butt handed to him letting one's guard down is obviously very dangerous right Mm -hmm. I mean there's there's mercy, like mercy is a choice, right? And it can have consequences, but mercy followed by letting one's guard down is much more apt to have consequences or right. even not mercy followed by letting one's guard down. Just kind of like, oh, just being too casual, you know? Hmm. Yeah, but it's classic Maul. I mean, right. in his, the original Phantom Menace duel with Obi-Wan, he has Obi-Wan hanging by his fingertips yeah. and chooses to just like use sparks to to taunt him right right right. could have just done anything else to finish him so i I feel like it's pretty on brand for maul's character to Mm -hmm. see a blind foe and then be like i'm just gonna toy with him a little and then lose yeah oh if there is a road towards drama and a road towards not drama oh maul is always taking like he is the definition (laughs) of extra you know in just that (laughs) wonderful way oh speaking of extra Oh. Darth Vader's entrance into this episode. <laughs> so, Chopper flies an ex uh, Tie Fighter, and then Darth Vader comes in flying on a Tie Fighter, yeah. Yeah. Stand, stand, standing. standing on top of his Tie Fighter as Cape it like autopilot descends to the temple, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. Ezra looking up. So yeah. good. So presumably he had to get out of his TIE fighter on the surface <laughs> and then like stand on top of it and be like, okay, now autopilot down. Okay. Activate lightsaber. Right. Pull right. Well, like way what earlier than heck? you need to. Yeah, make sure that you've got a nice breeze yeah, coming, yeah. right? So that Again, you can get that nice amazing billowy Amazing visual. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I saw someone breaking down just how extra Vader is often. And this scene is, it, there's two scenes that we're focused on. One is in Rogue One at the very end where he's like, in total darkness, just as lightsaber appears to kill all those uh, troops on Leia's ship, he has to turn off all of his machinery. He has to stop <laughs> breathing for like 60 seconds so that all the lights on his chest go off just so he can have that moment. <laughs> and here's the same thing. Someone pointed out like they're actually in an enclosed space. There's no wind to make his cape do that. He's using the force <laughs> to both control the TIE fighter and make his cape do the willowy cape thing. <laughs> Although the TIE fighter is moving, so there's yeah. probably some air mm-hmm. resistance. I don't know. But I like the force thing better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it fits perfectly, right? Like, Vader says, oh, I've killed Anakin. Don't worry about that. But it's like, clearly Anakin's penchant for the dramatic, right? Is right, is right there, alive and well. <laughs> yeah. I want someone to do a fan edit of that, where a force ghost of Qui-Gon is watching that and says, Anakin, you took my advice about theatricality. Rather literally. <laughs> Which is a quote from Batman Forgins. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, do you want to talk? What? Why does Kanan get blinded? Like, what's, what's happening in the story for that to happen? I mean, it's, it's obviously it's just kind of about him partially losing the fight to Maul. But, like, it seems like that's an important step in the journey with him and Ezra. What do you think is going on there? There are several moments in this episode that foreshadow his being blinded. Not in, like, in, like, a metaphorical kind of way. Ezra tells him that, you know, you should just trust me. Aren't you supposed to be my master? And I think it's this idea of Kanan is blind in so many ways about Ezra. Like, Ezra's his blind spot. Mm -hmm. 
um, in that, like, he's got such sympathy for him because he's this kid, he's taking him in, he sees him almost like a son. And then, I don't know, it, it's just this, like, losing one sense to gain others, I think, kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got to be more in touch with the Force to really feel out what's going on, especially because, like, Ezra opening that holocron at the end of the episode, even something that he says when they're on the elevator together, Ezra tells Kanan, oh, Maul sees what I can't be, what I can be, and you don't see that. Yes, Maul does see what you can be, which is a Sith, which is, like, not great, right? right? Mm-hmm. So Kanan losing his sight is an allusion to that, to, like, not being so blinded by, by Ezra and his, like, love for Ezra. I think it's exactly right. I think there's so much going on there. And I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I think that the themes that you're talking about are really going to see some payoff in season three. Uh, as someone who talks about disability a lot, I'm not blind, but I do have another disability. And so I'm always kind of thoughtful of what happens when they make a character disabled and are they going to be true to that story? And I I, I remember watching that being like, okay, what are they going to do with this? And again, without any spoilers, I really love, I think they do a fantastic job of making that part of his journey and his story. I agree with all of that. I also think it's sort of a way of killing the master without killing the master. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, where like they're always killing off mentors. And this is a way to let him still be a mentor, but not be a mentor in exactly, not not like in all the ways, kind of. So mm-hmm. they sort of, it's a way they kind of pull him back from being as central. Like, why is this older Jedi not as central as this young kid Jedi, right? And it, I right. think they do that to give room for Ezra to kind of grow in a way. Because I think there's this idea that like, if you have a mentor who's, so active and powerful, then the student is kind of has a um, right. sort of a, a ceiling mm-hmm. from that, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, in, in general, I'm not super crazy about. But I do like that the way they did that here is instead of by bumping off the character, it was by developing the character further and, and giving them a, a new aspect to who they are that then, you know, then that that change he's dealing with. And obviously... Being blind and a Jedi is not exactly the same as as being blind and not a Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. But I think they don't constantly like they they let it be a real thing going forward. And again, not you know, no spoilers, but yeah. I I did enjoy that aspect of his character going forward. I I agree that it sets up the future ascendancy of the character of Ezra Bridger as the primary Jedi figure on this team like in terms of combat ability right Mm -hmm. and i also think it does set up we don't want to talk about what is going to happen but it we see at the end of this episode he unlocks the sith holocron and earlier they said you know you have to be a sith to unlock it they said you can't no jedi can unlock it okay i think it's a very important difference Mm. but yeah okay (laughs) so ahsoka could have opened it they are setting up this conflict within ezra and taking Kanan a step back in terms of either, you know, power level or attention, you know, like literally because he cannot see, is going to help pay off that story. I think so. I've been talking with Ricky and Sarah about how it's kind of fun watching this because I, I remember overall story beats, but I don't remember a lot of specific details. And so here, I actually don't remember if they do this, but I, I think it, I think this is where I'm guessing they're leaning. Right now... Ezra's at this place where he's like, do I explore the dark side some? Was Maul right about any of this? 
And the fact that that's happening, Maul defeated Kanan to some extent in the fight. Kanan somewhat won, but like Maul significantly damaged Kanan. And so I think for Ezra, that's a really good time for him to start wondering, like, is Kanan right? Does Maul know something that Kanan doesn't that I need to pay attention to? So it's a great way of like of setting all that up. And I think even in like Maul's downfall, right? Like, I think Ezra's like kind of cottoning on to what he's up to. Like, Maul tells him to have this gift and to not use it is the ultimate rejection of the gift, which I don't mm-hmm. necessarily disagree with. It's a twisted version of the Spider-Man power responsibility. <laughs> yeah, and knowledge is power, as we've learned from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the deeper I go into Rebels, the more I, I love it for its questioning of Jedi dogma. I don't know, first hearing about it in A New Hope, it's like, oh, the Jedi, so cool, so interesting. And now you're like, they were a weirdo cult that kidnapped babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and like ran the universe. Yeah. And, but we're like, oh, no, no, we're not running things. Don't worry about it. We're knights don't now. Worry. We're protectors yeah. of peace. What? Yeah. yeah. One thing. You wonder, like, if the Jedi Council ever did some hand wavy, like, you don't have to make us, you know, pay these fees. <laughs> right. Taxes. What are taxes? Oh, my God. Not another episode about taxes. <laughs> I know I brought out the High Republic books a couple times. Again, they really start painting a lot more of that picture. And one thing we learn is that those books are set about like 250, I think 200, 250 years before all this stuff that we're watching now. And one of the things that those books are talking about is a, a new chancellor who's been has just been elected. And she's the first chancellor in, I think, 500 years who isn't a Jedi. Mm. So it's like the Jedi used to actually hold political power right. and run the Senate. Yeah. So that's kind of that was a very interesting like. Yeah, not not like any modern religions on Earth or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, nope. One one clarification on Kanan and his understanding of the jedi i think he was 14 actually mm-hmm. during order 66 yeah so okay. i know I, I just listened to the last podcast so i think his understanding of the jedi was like closer to where ahsoka's was i think she was like 16 maybe then mm-hmm. so i think she's just a couple years older so he certainly didn't complete his training right he wasn't okay, like about yeah, to fair. take the trials or anything but that's he definitely fair. i mean you know 14 like that's an adult in some cultures right i mean right um, and so he, I think he has an idea, but like, he doesn't have an idea from being an adult for a period of time interacting in the whole Jedi world. He has it as being a student from a small child until a teenager and then having a traumatic experience that mm-hmm. cut the whole thing short. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. In the Bad Batch, he doesn't look 14 to me. He looks like 11. But maybe. he sounds 35. So even that out. <laughs> right, well, right, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Also, I don't know how Daph Mary age, but Maul's old at this point. Maul was in his 20s or 30s or like, you know, whatever that age is for Daph Mary when he fought Qui-Gon when Anakin is like, you know, seven or eight mm-hmm. or n- nine years old, I think, at this point. So we're now like 30 years past that and Maul's still looking, you know, pretty spry. Yeah. Well, I mean, mechan- mechanical legs. Partly help. And like Kanan does call him grandpa at one point, which, yeah, it's kind of weird because you're like, huh? But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. That's the, another thing that grinds my gears about Star Wars and ages is like, who knows, right? Species all right, age right. at different rates. So you can just be like, eh, whatever. Doth Miri lived for 400 years, the end. Or like, right. he was made by the Night Sisters. So he like was born and aged rapidly and stays in this like what we would call adult stage for like years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And then he'll just die looking like this. But it's like, 
my boyfriend Hondo Onaka, who I'm going to bring up again, um, <laughs> in like the chronology, Galaxy's Edge is set pre-Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. and he's like a spry young chicken running this this totally legitimate trading company. Extra legitimate, <laughs> don't worry about it. But like, he should be like 103 or something like that. And... <laughs> Like he's not right, so it's it's just like age is weird. Obi Wan ages super strange too. Look, nineteen years under the Tatooine sun, it does, <laughs> it does something, something to, to the stress of watching over baby Luke. <laughs> yeah, I think we just kind of have to like hand wave away the way people yeah. look and like their aging because it's just you can't you can't make it make sense. You just you can't. I mean, unless you're like, well, so and so was in carbonite for this long, <laughs> sure. or they were, you know, they were they were. Uh, they were traveling through space and because mm-hmm. relativity uh the time passed differently and like that uh, you could but like star wars isn't about trying to science something yeah. right it's but i yeah, like yeah, i time, agree like yeah. darth maul like he's lived he's lived a full life he was the head of a crime syndicate who should 100% know who jabba the hutt is bt dubs well maybe he did and he was just oh yeah he definitely did right ezra needs to stop using Jabba as a cover name. <laughs> Don't use a famous Lando. person as your, like, you know, yeah. like Chuck Finley or something. Right? You know? I'm David Bowie. You're very clearly not. Like, right. Sam Axe reference is appreciated. Yeah, always. <laughs> All right. Well, we've danced around it for a while, but let's get to the elephant in the room. Ahsoka Invader. We've been building up to this all season long. Uh, You can't see it, but Sarah is literally bouncing in her chair as as I mentioned the topic. What do y'all think about the the way this storyline plays out? All season. We've been building to this our entire lives. (laughs) (laughs) Since the Clone Wars movie. Yeah. Really? I I mean, this... The payoff between these two characters is so well earned by all of of Star Wars stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you said, Matthew, the last seven minutes of this episode are just absolutely beautiful in terms of the animation in all of the the duels, the the lightsabers, but also in just the emotions of what the characters say to each other and how they interact. I it's just it gets to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. It's so worth it. A few episodes ago. We had, you know, Ahsoka in the temple being visited by a vision of Anakin being like, you abandoned me. And then her saying, like, I'm not I'm not going to abandon you now. But like, there's this fight. And also, okay, so in the intro, you mentioned like a shadowy figure limping off into the distance. Mm -hmm. Maybe spoilery, but like, that's very clearly Ahsoka, right? Like, you can see her hair. Yeah, I I did a screenshot and then zoomed in and and it is definitely someone with her, like the hair, uh, like, okay. Is it Liku for her species, or is that just Twi'lek? Anyway, that's a weird tangent we can go down later. There wasn't, like, another one of her species, like, hanging out on the planet, right, <laughs> that we don't know about. Like, yeah. Who knows? Hair tails, yeah. The the meeting between them, at the very beginning, right before they start their fight, we hear, like, the first few notes of Duel of the Fates, which, in my opinion, is the best thing to come out of the prequels. But it's that, um, it's the song that plays while Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting right yeah but it starts with like the i, I cannot sing but like the da-na, right and then like it goes into mm-hmm. a sort of modified duel of the fates theme that runs underneath it but yeah. oh there are so many like heart-wrenching moments too like i know you mentioned it earlier matthew the like i'm no jedi when um she says she she's gonna avenge anakin's death oh it's so good it's so good and vader says that is not the jedi way yeah. right 
Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing is like he, they're going back and forth. This is where she has, and I think actually kind of a a nice parallel of Luke's journey. You know, at first she was not ready to accept it. She couldn't believe this. Now is when she finally believe. Like she, 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 she says something like, you know, Anakin, you couldn't be my master. Anakin would never be so vile. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've destroyed Anakin. And then she, so she says, like, I, I will avenge him. And he says, that's not the Jedi way. And she says, I am no Jedi. It's just- um, Which is a Lord of the Rings reference right i am no man yeah oh 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean i i screamed at the tv like i'm not a jedi expletive but like <laughs> yeah yeah same sentiment right but just that whole like that whole section of dialogue is so mm-hmm. like iconic and so perfect right that back and forth is just right fantastic because i think part of why i love it so much is that it's kind of what we've been talking about this whole, like the whole episode where this, we've been talking about this idea of like there are things that the Jedi won't do, and that maybe it's a good thing they don't do it. Like I think killing helpless prisoners is not great, but that maybe sometimes they take it a little too far. Maybe sometimes they they don't kill the person who has to be killed, you know, for to protect other people or whatever it is. I sound like a homicidal maniac. <laughs> Hopefully, you know what I mean in the context of all this. And so Anakin kind of being, you know, Anakin has this whole idea of like the Jedi are weak, the Jedi are weak. And, and so him sort of like toying with her and being like, you can't do that. You're a Jedi. And her saying, I am no Jedi. It just, uh, it, it, I, I think that is maybe my favorite exchange dialogue wise in all of Star Wars. It's just so powerful and says so much, so much about her character. And like you watch that and then watching the Mandalorian when uh mando wants her to train grogu and she's like i can't i'm not a jedi it just it just connects so well yeah yeah Yeah. the the fact of her not train like i don't see why her not being a jedi means she can't train him that's like a separate thing you know like Mm -hmm. maybe she should train him in not being a jedi yeah and just like using the force yeah when when ahsoka's like ich bin kein yedi oh sorry i watched it in german but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's it's just such a good moment and it translates across languages. Yeah. And and like we get a, a sort of allusion to it in the first episode where she, she's talking to Maul and saying like, why are you trying to get us to stay here? Why do you want us to stick around? What's your end game? And Maul's like, I can't face Vader alone. And I know he's coming because there's no way he could resist two Jedi yeah. and a part timer, I think he calls her. Right. So like this idea of like Ahsoka's <laughs> yeah. not a Jedi is coming right. up over wink, and wink. over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like he's not a Sith, she's not a Jedi. Yeah, yeah, and also just to compare, throw into that as well. For anyone who watched, uh, the, heard uh, my coverage of the Clone Wars with Riki and Sarah, one thing I often said is that I think there's a wonderful parallel between Ahsoka leaving the Jedi and Asajj Ventress leaving the Sith. And I, somehow I didn't pick up on it until I watched it this time. The voice of the holocron, the voice of the oh. Sith. Is the voice yes! of Asajj Ventress? It's the same. It's the oh same voice gosh. actress, and That's I just awesome. like. I, I was so great. I love that. It just brought everything together. Well, it's so extra well. perfect because isn't like Ventress is the apprentice that ousted Maul for Palpatine, right? No, Dooku becomes Sidious's apprentice. And then Dooku takes on Asajj yeah. Ventress, but that's why she okay. never becomes right, a Darth. Right. She's an apprentice's apprentice. Yeah, but she also had like dealings with the night was she like raised by the, the, night the night witches, witches yeah. or night sisters no she is a night she sister. is a night yeah, sister she, okay. she was a night sister yeah. and and dooku came and they gave right. her to him but i think at, at a much older age than like than yes okay that's the parallel all right 
But yeah, I I also yeah. knew the voice sounded familiar, but yeah, didn't place that it was Ventress. That's fantastic. Ugh. What I'm thinking of in terms of this exchange is Obi-Wan's classic line of only a Sith deals in absolutes, right? Which is just an absolute <laughs> statement. And the Jedi <laughs> dogma is very much littered with absolutes. Oh, yeah. And so yep. for Vader to say revenge is not the, the Jedi way, and then Ahsoka to, to deny that and say, I am no, no Jedi, is like a rejection of all of this absolute dogma on both sides. And her embracing yeah. that middle ground of, I am still on the light side of the force, but I embrace revenge in this case. Yeah. And, you know, we have seen Ezra struggle with the dark side now. And I think he's another one of these characters that can fit in the middle and find a way to access both sides of the force in a more balanced way. Like this is, we, we talk about this with the movies too, that, all of Star Wars seems to be heading in this direction where it's not light versus dark, you know, like in these galactic battles, mm. but really more like light and dark within ourselves and trying to find that balance in our lives. Right. Yeah. I think, okay, two things. One, it's, she's like avenging and not revenging. So I think like she's embracing avenging instead okay. of, right? And, and so like, she's he not says, Thor? He says revenge. We're the revenges. We're the revenges. I, mean, I think avenge is just the verb of is revenge, it? isn't it? Like, it definitely come from the same root. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like there's like there's a difference, right? Where like she's not doing it on her behalf. She's doing it on Anakin's behalf. And the fact that he is Anakin is kind of like a right. weird tweak in there, but... Like she's avenging someone as opposed to taking revenge yeah, on someone. exactly. Yeah, I, I, can, right. I can dig it. From a, from a certain, from a certain point, point of view. Point Thank of you view. very much. Thanks. But also this idea of her rejecting this Jedi dogma. And then later in The Mandalorian, when we get her not letting Mando go see Grogu because like, er, attachment bad. Ahsoka, we moved past this. Right, right. Why are you suddenly clinging to this? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Like this is coming from you? Yeah. And, and Luke is someone who defeated Vader through attachment? Yeah. Defeated Vader and avenged Anakin in a way, mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. yeah. I think it also gets back to... Paul, you're kind of bringing this up and something we've talked about on superhero ethics all the time, that a lot of times it's a bit frustrating that when writers want to establish like the morals of a good character, they blur the line between I will not kill and I will not murder. Right. You know, because to me, there's a huge difference between I will fight someone and if I'm having to use lethal methods of fighting, if I kill the person as part of the fight, I'm okay with that, versus I won't kill a helpless person. Like, I think if somehow... Ahsoka, you know, completely disarmed Anakin Vader and had him helpless, I don't think she's going to execute him as part of her avenge. No. But I think she's like, I will fight you to the death because I want to defeat you to avenge yeah, Anakin sure. and Anakin's memory. I think a lot of what's at the root of some of this also is kind of the dogmatic adherence to theoretical principles versus making decisions based on the concrete context sort of around mm -hmm. what your own kind of values are or whatever. And I feel like that's what some of the characters have gotten to do. And that's sort of where they're kind of trending more. Whereas the Obi-Wans and the Yoda, like in the past, like they just, you know, they grew up in a system. And so I think these people like Kanan and Ahsoka and um, also Ezra, like who didn't have like the full jedi experience to the point of staying in it for their whole lives i think kind of get to 
take what they've learned, but they don't have to use all of it. And they don't have to adhere to it like it's dogma, but kind of like, what's the essence of it? And and then kind of make their own decisions. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think we as a society have had these conversations, right? Where we say something like, violence is not the answer. But then... We are pretty loose about, you know, applying violence against, you know, Nazis, you know, punching Nazis. Right, right. So absolute dogma just doesn't hold up to the complexities of real life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's a really good way to put it. That's the downfall of the, the Jedi, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's the downfall of the Jedi, but it's also, it's, it's a lesson that, uh, Ahsoka learns when they kick her out, but then offer her back in, and she says, yeah. "No, thank you." It's because her situation dogma is very clear about what has to happen to her, even though her situation doesn't quite fit her reality, doesn't fit mm -hmm. the philosophies, you know. And I think that's a big part of what she learns is like they're too focused on dogma. I want to focus on you know, the and real life. and they're so focused on this no attachment thing, right? The fact that they yeah. they like she mm -hmm. grew up with them, she trusts them, she loves so many people on the the in who are like yeah. Jedi Knights. Why can't I think of the council? There we go. Um, right? The <laughs> mm -hmm. fact like that that didn't mean anything at all. It's like, well, we think, you know, you may have done this heinous crime, so peace. Right? Which is why I keep focusing on the fact that Kanan has attachments. Right. Like, I think it's such a great part of the story. I, the one thing I want to say about this, and then we should talk about, because there's still a whole bunch more of the fight uh, between Vader and, and Ahsoka that we haven't even touched yet that's worth discussing. But I just want to say as well... I think this is one of the greatest examples of writers knowing how to use their big gun. I know this was the concern about like if Luke was going to show up in Mandalorian, I think it's a, a thing in a lot of things. When you're telling a story mostly about these kind of low level people, but you've got this one person who can just kind of come in and like Captain Marvel, Superman, like take care of everything. That's a real problem in writing. And if you can become, I, I think if they'd had Ahsoka coming in to save the day again and again and again, it just would make the story less interesting. And this is far, like, Ahsoka's been an advisor. Ahsoka's, like, come in and, like, slashed her lightsaber a couple times to help people. But this is the first time we really have Ahsoka participating in a fight in a major way. And I think it just shows such great restraint and, and planning on behalf of the writers to, to use her in this one space. For sure. And Vader, too. Mm. Right? Like, Vader's yeah. shown up some, but they don't have Vader all the time. If they had Vader all the time, it would be like, why aren't these rebels dead? Like, you know? Yeah. But it's like Vader's got other stuff to do. Ahsoka has other stuff to do. And and they saved them for this moment. And I think because of that, the payoff is way bigger than if they'd kind of just, like, had them constantly throughout. And it's such it provides such great closure as well. Or, like, semi-closure for their, their characters, right? Like, Ahsoka, who's... Mm -hmm thought this might be Anakin and is like pretty sure at this point but like doesn't maybe want to admit it to herself to like knowing it is but it actually kind of isn't because like he killed Anakin etc right. and or right, Anakin seeing mm -hmm. Ahsoka again who like he was expecting to be there he expected her to come back into the Jedi fold she didn't like right I think he kept expecting to see her and he even says like when he gets there your your appearance here is like foretold or something like that there's a great parallel. The last time they were together, he was trying to bring her back mm -hmm. into the Jedi. And now he's trying to bring her to the Sith. Like, he's right. just like, look, I switched teams, but I still want right, to show right, my right. team. Yeah, yeah. He just wants, he just wants his, his pal who he cares about because he has attachments. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the rest of the fight. You were sort of talking, Paul, they do a really good job of not cutting back and forth. There's a little bit of cutting here between the two of them and then also Ezra and right. Kanan dealing with the holocron, but it's all in the same room. And so I think it really yeah. works. And they kind of cut to them and then they cut back to uh, Ahsoka and Vader. What happens in the rest of their fight? And why, what, why is it significant? Ezra has a delightful little line that he's got to get better at fighting. And then he goes off to go. <laughs> Such a great little right? bit of humor. Like, It's just like a woof. Yikes. <laughs> These guys are good. Bye. Got to go deal There's with the no holocron. There's no one else even there. He's, he's, no, he's making a joke to himself. To himself. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. for you, Ezra. And the audience. Well, it's like Vader and peak Ahsoka, you know? Yeah. Like, this yeah. is the best we've ever seen Ahsoka fight, I think. Yeah. Yeah, right? And, like, so he, he goes to try and get rid of the holocron because we've discovered that the Sith Temple is a weapon that's powered by the holocron. And then he needs Kanan to come help him remove the holocron because rule of two. So they get the holocron. They're piecing out of there. Uh, Ahsoka and Vader are fighting. Ezra t- says, like, okay, we've got it. Come on. Let's get on the ship. Chopper shows up just in time. Kanan, Ezra get on the ship, but Ahsoka and Vader are still fighting. Ezra goes back for Ahsoka, and Ahsoka force pushes him out of the way, and then, like, behind her back, uses her lightsabers <laughs> to stop Vader's, like, incoming blow, and, like, her and Vader keep fighting as the temple door closes, and Ezra can't get back in mm-hmm. to Okay, but you're her. missing a chunk. I'm yeah. missing a chunk. Yeah. Vader knocks Ahsoka off of the temple. Down to, like, another level. So she doesn't die like everyone else dies. Yeah, who falls? Or not. <laughs> um, but So Vader defeats Ahsoka. And then he comes back and uses the Force to grab Ezra as he and Kanan oh, yeah. are leaving. And then Ezra has this, like, it's him! And Kanan's like, I know! <laughs> I can't see, but I know! <laughs> I can feel the power yeah. of the Force he's pulling you with. Yeah. And then Ahsoka runs back in and slashes Vader across his helmet. And then Matthew said earlier, somehow cuts the helmet open but doesn't cut his face. And then he says her name, I believe, for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He says Ahsoka. And it's like right. half mm-hmm. Vader voice, half Anakin voice. Yeah. And she just kind of cracks upon hearing that and seeing his eyes. She says Anakin, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, I did forget about that. And, and this is the moment where she says, I won't leave you, not this time. It's so wonderfully done because it's, first of all, they actually got James Earl Jones to come back and do the voice of Vader for this, which is like, they don't always get that. A couple of times that those actors come back, but it's wonderful they do it. And then, but as you said, in that moment, it switches between just James Earl Jones to also- Matt um, Lanter. Is it, I want to say Matt La- Lanter. Lanter is how you pronounce it? Lanter, thank you. But yeah, but it's just, there's so much power. And it's just his eye, but like the way he's looking at her. It's funny. um, In an episode that will have probably gone up by the time this episode goes up, or at least certainly will go up soon after, Rob McKenzie and I talk about some of the Thrawn books that are in the canon. One of which is the character of Thrawn spending time with Anakin in the past and Vader in the current. And that book really gets into how, like, inside Vader's head is this constant struggle of, like, I am not the Jedi, I am not the Jedi, I am not Anakin anymore. And so just seeing, like, that little bit of Anakin still peek out, like, it just seems like a wonderful, just, like, foreshadowing of what Luke is eventually going to find out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to read that book, but I probably don't want to spend that long, yeah. so I'll we'll, just we'll listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it, it also, and maybe they're going to give this to us, because like, the fact that we skipped past it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But if I end my time on this Earth... And nowhere in Lucasfilm have they ever given us the moment where Ahsoka and Luke first really connect. Because 
this scene especially what it reminds me of is I need the moment where Ahsoka learns that Luke was able to bring Anakin back. Like it just it's so the yeah. the pathos of this scene is so much that like when they gave it to us in in Boba Fett, we're like, oh yeah, no, that already happened. These two are fine. I'm like, show us that. Like <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Maybe in the Ahsoka show. Which I'm now getting yeah, much more hyped for. <laughs> I've heard one theory, because apparently Christian Haydenson is also supposed to be in the Ahsoka show. And I was trying to figure that out, and I, I one theory, I don't know, Riki, you're the one who suggested this theory to me, but I, I, the more I think about it, the more I kind of like it, is that maybe Force Ghost Anakin is talking to. Yes! Mm. I, you hated I that suge- theory when yeah, we talked okay. about it. I suggested this, you were like, no! I hated that theory, and I'm <laughs> okay. slowly coming around to it. I'm good, slowly good. coming around to, Sounds like, Sounds better maybe... than any of the other possibilities. Also... Casting spoilers are the worst, but like, like finding out that Rosario Dawson was Ahsoka in the Mandalorian, like, first of all, then it's like, okay, well, you know, she's going to show up and it's not like a big surprise, but maybe they did that so that something else could be a big surprise. But like, I watched this after that, or at least after I knew that casting Mm. bit. So like, whatever happens to Ahsoka here, I'm like, well, I know she's going to be okay because Mm. I know she exists like after Return of the Jedi, right? But, like, also yeah. somehow she has to not be around, so, like, it's so confusing. It was really a massive challenge for them to figure out how to, like, side, how, how to, like, bench whatever Jedi they used here for, like, the three, the trilogy, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and then be like, yeah, then we'll yeah. take them back. And it's funny how, and we'll talk about that later, uh, but how they've, um, some of them they sideline, and then some they've just, like, they took a random picture of, like, an old grizzled guy in Return of the Jedi who's with, like, the Han Solo group. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that one. You know? <laughs> like, I'm like, that, that does not look like... Uh... Shh, it's Rex. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Tamara Morrison. Yeah. All right, well, we've gone quite a while. There's so much in this episode, though. Is there any, any kind of topics or questions or points people want to make or bring up or ask that we haven't the covered last yet? minute, two minutes, where it's just... There's no dialogue. There's just music. And it's mm. like all of the stories are wrapping up here. Kanan and Ezra and Chopper return to Chopper base. And we see Hera reunite with Kanan. And I guess no one called ahead and told them what had happened. Because she sees him. Mm. Yeah, what? I mean, go ahead, but I have a personal story. So Hera sees Kanan with the the eye coverings and realizes what has happened and goes and hugs him. And they share a tender moment. Ezra looks at everyone else, but especially Rex, and gives, like, the the nod, the head nod no, or whatever, to indicate, you know, Ahsoka is not with them, and seeing Rex absolutely crestfallen over this. You know, and everyone else, too. Uh, Zeb and Sabine are also there, and mm-hmm. they, they realize that Ahsoka is not with them. But especially Rex, mm-hmm. because of the history that they have. And then, you know, we see Maul escape, so he's not done for yet. We see Vader survive, obviously. And then we see Ahsoka, right? Like, you mentioned that it, it is actually Ahsoka. I don't know why the summary says a shadowy figure. Yeah, it's definitely it's not Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the owl. So we talked about the owl on the previous episode, and I looked <laughs> it up. It's actually called a, um, I think it's called a Mo- Morai? Yeah, they name it in this episode's summary, if I still have it. I think, I think it's just like Condor or that's something. That's the like that. species. 
a, a yeah, conifer, so a conifer. This is specifically called Morai, if you will recall from the episode with the son and the daughter from Clone Wars on Mortis. Mm-hmm. That that is the origin of this animal, and so because of what happens in that, oh, okay. this has somehow become like Ahsoka's companion. Not necessarily like that. This is the same animal. But this animal is kind of like always around Ahsoka and and represents her. Oh, interesting. Because the last episode, uh, we were talking about like, what does it mean when an animal showed up? And I was like, oh, it's a dark side thing somehow. But no, it was a great foretelling yeah. that Ahsoka's coming back. Mm. That, that's really cool. I was going to say, I listened to the last podcast and was going to say sometimes an owl is just an owl, but I guess sometimes an <laughs> no, owl is not just not. an owl. And apparently, <laughs> apparently the owl is in the nope. Mandalorian as well when, when Ahsoka is there. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, for sure. In that episode. I can picture that, I think. I don't. <laughs> Which I, I don't know if this is intentional or if this is just my brain connecting, but like the owl is very much mm-hmm. associated with Athena. And I, I feel like I, I, Ahsoka being kind of like, obviously it's a completely different pantheon, different universe, but like she has that sort of energy to me of a devotee of Athena, you know. Um, so I think that like I, I, I hope that like somewhere in someone's writer's mind, I thought you were gonna say connected. Athena herself, but sure. Perhaps then it is also <laughs> oh, yeah, a reference to George Lucas's other classic, Clash of the Titans, uh, which has that weird metallic owl. Did George yeah. Lucas do that? Yeah. Oh, that movie is so bad. I didn't realize that well, was Well, the him. original one, not the Liam Neeson reboot. Oh, yeah, I don't even... I oh, I haven't even that seen that, but I... I just, That's the, wild. Yeah, the, the original yeah. is special. Interesting. My Okay, so my brief personal story about, like, nobody calling ahead and telling Hera was, like, when I was seven, I was in a really bad bike accident and messed up my face super good, and my grandparents called ahead and told my mom, like, hey, her face is messed up. And my mom was like, chill, that's fine. I'm prepared. We'll take her to the hospital as soon as you get here. Just, like, drop her off. We're good. And, like, she instantly broke into tears when she saw my super messed up face. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, like, someone can call ahead and be like, hey, your husband has had an accident. He's blind now. FYI. And then, like, have him step off the ship and see him with your own eyes and still be, like, devastated. I could see that. Yeah, I thought it was a little unclear whether they'd called ahead or not. My perception this time kind of was that they had, but that it was still unclear. I have a story with my grandparents. They had this big hole in their house. It was like a spiral staircase that went down to the basement, but there was no staircase. And there was just a <gasps> hole. This is worse than no and, handrails. Yeah, and I just, I, I fell through the hole. Oh, no. And I landed on this big, like, it was, there's like this big rock, like, boulder thing on in the basement. Um and I guess I was hurt, but I was fine. So just like Star Wars falling, eh, you know, sometimes it's okay. Yeah. Don't try this at home. <laughs> that does not, please do not jump <laughs> off of cliffs. I didn't say jumping was okay. I said falling. It's different. We, we are not <laughs> recommending falling. Falling. Gravity is real. Yeah. Please obey the law. brother learned um, the hard way. Don't jump off the roof right. of your house with a spinning lightsaber toy. I don't even <laughs> want, like, how does that? Oh, my goodness. Or even without a spinning <laughs> like lightsaber toy. Bad ideas. <laughs> All right. I think we've reached think the punchy so. stage. I, ha- I have recording. one more tiny thing. Yeah. Uh, Sarah and then Paul. Okay, I was just going to say, like, if you want to hear my super sweet Aladdin Twilight of the Apprentice comparisons, hit me up. Yeah, I guess on Instagram, because that's the only place I'm active. But yeah, I, I, I have thoughts and feelings, but it's 
No, no, I want to hear them now. You want to hear them now? Can you give us just like a 30 second summary? 30 second summary? Okay, so it's it's the scene in Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin, where Aladdin is in the prison and Jafar has disguised himself as a helpless old man and is like, oh, I need your young legs, which I mean, I think is a very clear parallel to come help me Cave of oh. Wonders it up. Um, and so Abu slash Chopper and Aladdin slash Ezra like go out to help Jafar collect the the lamp from the Cave of Wonders. Mm-hmm. But there's just like so many scenes that are so visually similar. Like Ezra first grabbing the holocron is basically just a mirrored shot of Aladdin grabbing the lamp and then Aladdin grabbing Jafar's hand and like being told to pass him the lamp so that Jafar can grab onto the lamp and not Aladdin is like the same thing as Maul grabbing onto the holocron instead of Ezra and they're both dangling off this cliff and it's like a creepy inside place but maybe it's outside there's a anyway watch watch that scene and then go watch that chunk from aladdin it starts like 25 minutes into the movie i now at first i thought you brought this up with the first episode of rebels and i thought it was coincidence but now now i'm kind of getting convinced like i i I am drinking your tea thank you because like i (laughs) i am on this conspiracy train because we talked about how in the first episode the introduction to ezra is very much like the introduction of aladdin and like this robbing from the street fair and stuff and they're both referred to as street rat. Yeah. Yeah. So gotta yeah, he's supposed Dave to like look to a live, little bit like him. Like, hmm? He does look a little bit like him. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's more an homage theory. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Dave Dave Filoni is an Aladdin fan. Got yeah, it. Okay. No doubt. <laughs> Paul, what's your tiny little thing? Uh, I just liked the lights and the sounds when they were lifting the big rocks that's, that's not, not a big deep theory or anything but i thought the red lighting and the sounds of the rocks like growling it sounded like lava and like growling like this guttural sound oh, yeah. while while um and there's so much suspense you know they're just standing there like lifting their arm basically and, but like there's there's just so much tension there as they're like walking under these really heavy doors i guess essentially you yeah. know and yeah. i just thought the the use of of sound and lighting was just so good there and i mean the whole both two episodes i feel like they put so much attention to the lighting like when kanan's wearing the um the mask and he ignites his lightsaber and there's like this blue glow uh, you know and there's all these red glows going on like so many lightsabers in this episode was... <laughs> in these two episodes just on that, it re- I remember watching it this time, and it reminded me of one of the few moments from Attack of the Clones that I really loved. But I think one of the great moments is when Anakin and Obi-Wan and Dooku are all fighting with lightsabers in this pretty dark cave. Mm, yeah. And they keep, like, you know, posturing and moving and moving their own lightsabers in front of their faces. And you see, like, like the red glow in front of Dooku's face and, like, the green and blue goes in front of Anakin. I think they're both green, but whatever it is. I still think the best lightsaber fight in animation, possibly in all of Star Wars, is the one at the end of Clone Wars Season 7. This one's very close, though. And, like, it's not as drawn out, it's not as elaborate, but it clearly feels like... I I think they were redoing Clone Wars Season 7 around the same time they were doing this. And, like, the same people had to be at work on both. Because, like, there's one scene where it's Vader and Ahsoka from a real, like, bird's-eye view. They're, like, pretty small in the frame compared to the whole temple. But still, you can see exactly what's happening in the fight just by watching the colors of the lightsabers move. And and that, plus the scenes where it's Ezra and Ahsoka and Maul. So you've got like the red, the blue, and the, the white of Ahsoka all yeah. working together is just 
so well done. The, yeah, the, like, the set design, if that's their correct term for this, these, this arc is like fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love the like underground city. It's got such a strange vibe, right? It's very like off-putting. Totally agree with you, Paul, about the lights. Like I specifically remember Ezra hanging off the side of the temple and you can see kind of like the, the hazy blue outline of his lightsaber. Yeah. Like the red of the Inquisitor and then of Maul coming to like rescue him. Yeah, and I think like one one scene that I really love, I think is near the very end of the first episode when it's the three Inquisitors versus Kanan, Ahsoka, and Maul, and they kind of like line up in that very like yeah. kind of Western cinematic action with their lightsabers crossed. Yeah. So, so good. good. Love that. So I have a final thing. Which is a tweet from two days ago, which was April Fool's, but I, I believe this to be true. It is a tweet from Sam Witwer, fantastic voice actor. He says, It was 11 years ago today that I received a call from my friend Dave Filoni. I need Darth Maul, can you do it? And in that moment, I panicked, and I lied and said, Yeah, man, no problem. <laughs> and we have I, we have reaped the rewards of that and in this episode he did an amazing job of giving us a very different performance as Maul. Yeah, he did love it. And I'm so glad you brought that up too cuz I I remember seeing that tweet I thought it was the animator which again I think like animating a character that's been seen in live action and that is such a distinctive look as Maul is also a very challenging thing to do and granted they've been doing it for a while. Um, but yeah, either way, I think it, it, it works for both the voice actor as well as the animator. So, well, thank you all so much. I'm really glad we could ha- uh, do this. Ricky and Sarah, I know we've been enjoying everything about Rebels, but we've been so excited to do this episode. So glad we got to talk about it. Paul, it's so good to have you here with us as well. Paul, uh, I know you started making videos again around poker stuff. Where can people find what you're doing? Yeah, I'm Zen Madman Poker on uh, YouTube Been making a bunch of stuff. And I, I just want to give a shout out for this podcast that I'm on right now, um, that having listened to the last episode, I, re- I really enjoyed it and I appreciated the shout out. And I definitely agree with everything you were saying that I would have said about, you know, <laughs> the the slaughter of all the, the you know, the spiders, the, the indigenous fauna. And, uh, mm-hmm. and also, you know, um, droid liberation. I loved the whole AP5 chopper dynamic and uh, all yeah. that. So um, I'm looking forward to, if, if I'm not on that many more of these podcasts, to uh, listening to more of the episodes. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and Sarah, I think you are still uh, creating cool things for sale? Yeah, for, for sale is kind of like a, a question mark hanging in the air. I'm trying to sell through Instagram exclusively. I do have an Etsy that is nothing in it. You can check it out. It's uh, Hayashi Ceramics slash etsy.hayashiceramics slash shop or something like that. But my Instagram is the best way to find me. It's at Sarah Hayashi Art. Um, and yeah, cool. anything that is for sale will be on there as well as in the Etsy shop, maybe. Uh, and we've mostly been talking about your stuff, but uh, Riki, I don't understand Pokemon, so I don't understand what you're talking about, but I know you're tweeting a lot about Pokemon stuff. What's, uh, for people who are Pokemon fans, what are they going to find on your Twitter? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Go, where I tweet about the mobile phone game Pokemon Go, and coming soon, uh, I'm doing my research and getting ready to begin streaming some of that. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Look forward to seeing that. So, well, thank you all listeners. Uh, definitely check out all the awesome stuff that all three of my guests are doing. If you want to find out more about the other podcasts that I'm on, go to theethicalpanda.com. 
There, of course, you also find great ways to give us feedback. Uh, we love your questions. We love the thoughts. Uh, it just you know really makes these conversations worthwhile. So I'm happy myself. All these great guests. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and have a great day. Boop, 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 boop.